to episode 443 of Cinematary. I'm your host, Zach Dennis, and I'm here with Grace Winburn. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about movies that we saw this week in part one. And in part two, we're going to be diving into, uh, we've done, this is our 444th 443rd episodes, excuse me, of Cinematary, and we've never talked about a James Bond movie like in part two. So we chose a you know one a random Pierce Brosnan one to kick it off. It's a good one. One of his better ones. Needed three, right? Uh Golden Eyes, War Never Dies. One more and then die another day. He did four. I forget the I remember Die Another Day wasn't very good. No, it was not. It yeah. had Halle Berry in it, and they go she to was hot, Cuba. She was hot, She looked amazing. She was super hot in that movie. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I'll just get it out of the way, then I'm going to talk about how hot I think Michelle Yeoh is. But for people who have been listening to the series so far, I've literally talked about that in every episode. This one, still super hot. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's let's do some movies that we saw this week. Um, I'll get us kicked off because I got a new release in. Um, I saw the new M Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin, which has been out for a couple weeks now. Um, and I think I think uh, in the next episode, Reed's going to be on, and so I'm excited to talk Shyamalan with Reed, who is our resident M Night lover but i'll talk a little bit just to kind of if you have if you're if and if anything if you're like going to the movies i haven't seen ant-man uh whatever it's called but like this seems, mania yeah then no, we don't have time for that like watch watch some watch some m night doing like a hitchcock thing um the the basics of the story is this young or this couple played by Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge um, and their young daughter are vacationing in like this I think they say Pennsylvania at one time this remote cabin in Pennsylvania um, and the movie starts out with the daughter um, Wynn who is uh, like playing outside and she's outside and she looks up and like kind of a little bit in the distance is Dave Bautista who you know Dave Bautista, yes. very hulking figure, um, who comes up and like very like softly is starting to talk to her and is telling her, yeah, you know, pretty much we, uh, we're here, you know, me and my friends are here on this purpose and we need to, you know, discuss this with you and your, and your parents. And, and so she just like books it and go and like goes inside and you see um three other characters who like come out of the woods with um with de batista and they break into the house and tie the tie the two uh the two men up and um tell them about how like the this this family is going to be the one that's going to stop the the apocalypse from happening and I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of like leave it at that because, it you know, the way it kind of twists and turns um, from there is is part of the, you know, with M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's, you know, kind of going along with the conceit that he's constructed as kind of as part of the fun. Um, and so but I didn't recognize two of the other actors who are like in this group with with Dave Bautista, but one of them is Rupert Grint who most people are familiar with as Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter movies, um, who gives this like, 
also, he's for the for the time he's in the movie he gives this really good performance that I was like shit like Rupert Grint's a really good actor um so like shout out to the Harry Potter kids you know Emma Watson isn't really doing anything anymore but like Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint like Minimal. yeah given given some strong performances and like I guess um Rupert Grint is also in some series for Apple that um M. Night Shyamalan does and I guess it's pretty good in that too so like I'm glad like he's kind of found like a like a lane to go in you know like yeah. popping up in M. Night movies so a um, collaborator but just really good like yeah just um but easily the best probably the best performance comes from dave bautista who um continues to kind of like shake that uh not only just from his wrestling days but also you know he comes into he comes into movies and is like in guardians of the galaxy and um blade runner 2049 and kind of you know actiony yeah, big kind of action roles that you would you would kind of assume from somebody like him. Um, you know, especially just especially just in like the Marvel universe is playing um Drax through all of these different Marvel movies. Um I'm looking now like he's in Dune, he's uh in Dune a little bit, but he also has like a role in Spectre, the James Bond movie, um, and then was most recently in Glass Onion this past year. But like he's a good good performance in that movie i thought yeah good in that movie is good he like has one you know the one scene in um in uh or like one or two scenes he's not in dune all that much i'm sure he like gets a expanded role in the next movie but um is good in that and also in terms of just like action movies is really good in army of the dead the um zack snyder movie from last year um he's just like it's another one where he it's like his show he's kind of breaking away from like the marvel mold um but dave bautista like interesting actor um he can do the action stuff like that but he also like this one is a very like understated um very you know kind of internal uh, performance it's not um you know it's not what he does in like the marvel movies so it's 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 good to see him kind of getting getting these types of roles to kind of show his range um but yeah the majority of the movie is 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 just these these four the four characters plus the the Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge characters and their daughter like in this house and um you know the the four intruders for lack of a better word um are most of the time spent like trying to convince the family there of their their mission to avert the apocalypse um and so it kind of plays with like this the you know it's it's in in a very i say i said hitchcock before like it's it it feels very it feels like a very retro movie um in kind of a, a a classically handled movie from the beginning, the titles feel like something ripped from a movie that was made like the 60s, 70s, or 80s, just in terms of like the style of the of the opening credits. Um, you know, you kind of have this very you know, one line plot that uh, kind of sells you at the beginning, you know, while vacationing in this remote cabin, a family's taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that they must make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. Um, You have just kind of these, you don't really have much time to develop these, these personalities in mind. It's very much just, um, you kind of have these, these, uh, uh, 
you know these 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 characters that you kind of have a sense of who they are that you're working off of um and and it's just very very much like a genre movie um and i think in that sense it works pretty effectively you know i think um you know, M Night at this point is pretty is pretty well adept at like going, here is here is how you know, this is how this character is, this is how this game and it can feel very um you know, very basic, but like he's able he also has been casting interesting actors who can kind of like make the very basic stereotype archetype character work in different ways i think like i mentioned with like rupert grant and um dave bautista and jonathan groff in this movie who gives a really good performance um one of the things though that's kind of i've seen some people writing about is that is a lot of people have had issues with um the main like the 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 main characters the the main family being a queer couple um, because they feel like it, it like utilizes that to like harm queer people. Um, and at least that's from, from what I've read. Um, I don't totally, I don't really totally buy that. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think it's kind of, I mean, it could have, sure, it could have been any, it could have been a, you know, a man and a woman, two men, it could have been two women, like it doesn't, it could have been any sort of family structure. Um, and that's, and so it, it kind of, de- it, it threads this interesting line because it does their, their queer, queerness um, does, um, does facilitate a lot of just the, the dynamics of how they're processing through the moment, because it's like you have these four armed strangers. Um, One of them especially is like, is relatively hostile. Um, And so there's a lot of moments where they have these flashbacks to these two characters um, meeting and getting to know each other and clearly have had a, a difficult history to a degree because of their sexuality. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I think that that's there to inform the headspace of, of the characters while I don't necessarily feel like that's important because that's the interesting thing about this movie is it just kind of has this very neutral, you know, unthinkable choice question that they have to answer, um, that I think would have operated to the same, to, you know, for the most part to the the same degree with any other sort of family structure. Um, And I feel like there's a, you know, while I understand why he's having these flashbacks to like them um, and their history together, uh, because it's also there to, you know, also inform just uh, again, like the difficulty of the moment. And I think with movies like this, you you know, you don't need to over explain. I mean, that's just kind of the thing that you get into when you have an M. Night Shyamalan movie, though. He he kind of um, he usually is able to, like, get to the point really well, but then maybe he goes over a little bit. I think that's kind of where that goes over a little bit. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't I don't totally buy that. I think that just the dynamics of the two of the two characters played by Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge um, 
it's just kind of interesting on its own right just as to to like a married couple two partners who are raising a child like have to make this decision i think just that on its own and so i don't totally buy that like he, he has like this conservative worldview of queer people um i think that's maybe giving the movie a little bit more credit than it really deserves because it is a very for a kind of um genre movie that kind of poses this you know astronomical plot um it is it's still very understated and and very contained within its own little universe um but all that put aside like i think it's really entertaining i think it's a nice little it is it's just like this nice little um you know, movie to go see, movie to go see in the theaters because it's just kind of it. It works like any other M Night Shyamalan movie. It has kind of its twist and and, but it's also not a a like aggressively twisty movie. I think that was also the thing with with old. That's not a movie that necessarily has like this monumental twist that you're like trying to figure out. It kind of tells you what it, what's going on relatively early on and then like lets you, you know, operate in that space and try to figure it out from there. Um, and this one I feel like is very is very much the same thing. Once they arrive at the house, it's they make it pretty clear what their motive is and and so there's no twist it just kind of builds off of that and i kind of like that that like that um how he's operating in that rather than um you know like early on in his career where people were kind of going to the movies to be like oh how is he gonna like how is he gonna fool us how is he gonna twist us how is he gonna you know do something this i think he's i, I like that he's like progressed now into still having that element to a degree having that hook but also just playing within genre uh and playing within the confines of the space that he creates for himself you know this i've seen that uh, i was reading some stuff on letterbox where people are kind of ca- calling it almost like a theatrical like a play type movie because it is just in this cabin and everybody's pretty much in that room from the start of the movie to the end of the movie um and that also discredits a little bit of the camera work and because he shoots the hell out of this thing. Um, so I don't know. I recommend it. I think it's a fun, it's just a fun, like afternoon, like let's kill some time and go to the movies and see something fun. Um, so if knock at the cabin still playing around you, thumbs up high, high, uh, you know, recommend on that one. There's so. a knock at the cabin door. Do you answer? Maybe if it's Dave Bautista. Yeah. My car just broke down. Um, I was wondering if I could use your phone. Yeah. You stay the night. You stay the night, Dave Bautista. Rest your little head. <laughs> he's got like little glasses on. And, you know, he's, he's, he's like I said, he's very like, he's very like, un, he's very understated, like very just kind of calm, has like this calming demeanor to him. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it's still in theaters now. The other movie I wanted to talk about was um, War of the Worlds from 2005. This was um, Steven Spielberg, one of his uh, films that he made with Tom Cruise. Um, and and I saw that like they I saw a picture of them together at some sort of like pre Oscar event, and I was like, man, Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg, what a partnership. Um, 
And so I had never seen this, so I, I wanted to check it out. And I'd heard people kind of, I'd read and, her, and I'd read some like reassessments of this because I think when it came out, it, it was relatively, it was very mixed. It's a very, because mind you, like this comes out in 2005. This is four years after 9-11. This is a movie that's predominantly taking place in New York. And it's not a spoiler to kind of be like this, like the War of the Worlds is about this alien, you know, this, this, this uh, legion of aliens coming to destroy the world and like um take over pretty much and so um you just have like this very harrowing haunting imagery you know four years later uh, from 9-11 of these just giant like spaceships entering uh the new york's you know skyline um and just starting to like just like like what they do is they like shoot this laser and it doesn't like kill like blow up people so there's not there's no blood or anything but it's almost scarier because you know you think of 911 if you you think of like people just covered in ash and smog and stuff like that and so when this like beam hits people they just like poof and like turn into ash which uh-huh. i was just like this has to be an insane movie to like be taking in if like 4 years after that and so you have that you have like um you know just people just mass numbers of people disappearing and dying and um and just kind of people you know especially after the bulk of the attacks have happened you just have like these large groups of refugee refugee people just like walking around like walking to just find somewhere new and then um you know, being unable to, to like get to a next place because then the, you know, they, the aliens kind of come and continue to like barrel in. And it's an interesting like counterpoint to something like the Avengers movie, which, um, very much, at least in my opinion, is like this kind of nine 11 fantasy where, um, you have this, you know, these, the, the enemy you, in that case, like the alien people who are coming to attack the Avengers, um, and but in the Avengers, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like 9-11 happening. But we have these, you know, American superheroes who come and like save the day and, uh, you know, save New York from everything. Um, and in this one, that's not the case. Uh, it's, it's just it's just terror and mayhem. And um, I don't know, like it's 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 not even that the that the. um that like the CGI, like how, how they develop the aliens in the in these spaceships and things like that is is you know overly terrifying. It's just kind of the it's the sound. It's like the screams and then the silence and just like you know the the lasers kind of have like this very like bass heavy rumbling noise. Um, it just kind of you know what I can imagine like on that day like just these loud um percussive sounds that sound like in like like nothing you've ever experienced before just these inhuman sounds and just like this this violation to a degree of like the american public where there are people you know there are these these things crashing into um the world trade centers that you know that seems so un unreal like in the american psyche that some like like stuff would be destroyed and people would be in you know america attacking uh 
the country. And so like it really taps into that psychosis, which I really was just like, damn, like Spielberg's really going for it over here. Um, but uh, that's that back to like the 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 plot of this. It's a super funny movie that there's I understand the reason why he um, casted Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise is also somewhat miscast. So like the beginning of the movie, it's Tom Cruise um, and he's playing like this divorced dad who works at the docks who like, I was like laughing the entire like beginning of the movie. Cause he's just like, yeah, Hey Scotty, you want to go like grab a beer after something or whatever? You know, I, he doesn't have a box Boston accent, but he's just like very like, yeah, what's up dude. But Super you know, it's blue collar. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, it's Tom, like Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. He's, he's not a human. No. I love love the guy but like he's not a human he's so it, one of the aliens yes yeah so it's 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 almost more strange to like watch him like pretending to be like this divorced dad who's just like working at the docks and is like this blue collar dude um you know like i was watching like i'm watching this i'm like if like in terms of movie stars like robert mitchum would have killed in this role paul newman robert redford like would have been great in this role um Tom Cruise is not made for this role, like in yeah. terms of just being this very believable. But he does. But then you see like how he reacts, how he reacts to the aliens and the the scene, the kind of horror based scenes after that, where they're like in closed quarters with these aliens. And then you understand why he got Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is really good in that mo- in those moments. There's a moment early on when the attack starts to happen. So you have, you have like the storm happen in these, um, and like the lightning is bolting in these, the, the, whatever the machines that are going to come and start like, you know, vaping these people, um, whatever. I don't know, like laser. I don't know what they do. Like it's like lasering these people. Um, Zap. Zap. That's good. Zapping these people. Um, And, you know, he's like with this like group of people and they're like trying to like process like what the hell is this? Because at first you just see like this hole and then you see like the the, the, like the the hole like it's like the ground starts to move and it's really cool. I, I would assume that he did this like on a practical set where you like see almost like a it's like a it, it it looks almost like an earthquake where like plates are kind of shifting in terms of like the different buildings you have this church that starts to kind of like crumble um and then and then the the you know the alien machine comes out and starts zapping people and like him one you get like the tom cruise run he's like sprinting away yeah. um but then once he's able to get away and he like gets back to his kids like there's just like this moment where he's like covered and which again like going back to the whole 911 imagery, imagery he gets back to them he's just covered in this ash oh. which which is just like you know pretty much the the blood of all these people who were just killed by these alien machines and he like just like can't speak and like he really like it's a very effective you know well acted scene where like he just can't speak like he's just shell-shocked and they're like trying to go like dad what's like what the hell's going on with what what's and then finally the son's like what is what's on you right now like what are you covered in he kind of like goes out and so then he like goes in the bathroom and he just like sees himself just covered in this ash and is like having to like wipe it off and there's it's just kind of like this harrowing like again just this this 9-11 imagery playing with you um 
but like in those moments where it kind of turns into like a you know much more of like an action movie um then you understand why he got tom cruise um because tom cruise is very effective like and in he's very effective in acting as a movie star in an action sequence he has a physicality yeah a lot of the other leading men don't have a tenacity like yeah. Yeah. Like, like, so then, so that's why I'm thinking, like, you know, Tom Cruise is perfect in those moments, while, while somebody like a Paul Newman would have been perfect in like those human moments where he's like, you know, having to sell you on being this, um, this blue collar guy. You know, another, like, Harrison Ford would have been good in this. Like, young Harrison Ford would have been perfect for this role, also. Um, if only 9 11 had happened sooner. <laughs> if only. could have had young Harrison Ford. <laughs> only if only um only uh but yeah um the only thing the, the the only the only uh thing you also well actually first before i talk about the ending the other thing i really like about this movie is it also like plays into this like the immediacy after 9-11 of people immediately wanting to like sign up and serve in the military um, because you have his teenage son who's just kind of, you know, not necessarily like a washout or a burnout or anything, but it's just like, you know, like a 17, 18 year old kid who just kind of is like, you know, fuck you, dad, um, who clearly they don't like have a strong relationship because he's gotten divorced from his mom and like they have a whole his mom is like married this much wealthier guy and there's that kind of whole dichotomy going on. Um, but like for the bulk of the movie, Tom Cruise is always having to like pull this kid back kind of go. Cause he's immediately, he's like wanting to charge into the action. Um, until finally, like there's a scene where he's going to like run into the action. And these people are like trying to take the, he's like left the daughter at this. He's like, stay there. I'm going to get your brother. And so like, he's looking, he's like holding the sun down and he's like looking and, and like these, like these people like with best intentions are, are going like, we, you need to get out of here. Come with us, girl. And she's like, no, no, my dad's over, you know, that. And so he has to choose between like helping his daughter, helping the son. The son's just like, let me go. And like, so he chooses to go help the daughter and like the son goes sprinting off where these um, tanks are like going to fight the alien. Um, aliens and you like don't see him again um ever well that's what I'm, that's what I don't know I'll get to the ending but like but it, I think I, I think like that you know initially he's kind of portrayed as like this just kind of this annoying like uh screw you dad like son character but I think all I think it becomes more of like Spielberg's commentary on this like um this like switch that a lot of people had where they were immediately like, we got to join the, we got to join the, aren't we at join the military? We have to fight these people. Cause he's constantly going like, we need to get hit back at them. We need to hit back at them. We like, you know, he's like, he's like putting himself in danger to attack these, these aliens. Cause he's like, we got to hit back. Like they, they attacked us. We got to hit them back. Um, and like, you know, Tom Cruise is like the older figure who also has like, observe like how these how they're the, you know how they're these these aliens are killing people is kind of like no it's not like the the, mil- the military weapons aren't having any effect on them like it's like you're just kind of throwing yourself at a lost cause which i feel like again plays to the whole conflict in afghanistan and in iraq um but it kind of it undercuts it in the ending so at the ending like the entire movie they've been trying to get from New York to Boston to so that he can reunite 
the everybody with his ex-wife and her new husband because they at the time when this was happening like they had dropped the kids off with him because they were going to go on a trip to boston to go see his parents um and so it has this whole scene which would have been i would have just cut or reworked or like made it a dream or something but like where he like walks up and he's like carrying dakota fanning she's the the daughter and like they like open the door and they're just like oh and like the sun runs out because the sun somehow like got got to them before the tom cruise character got to them and it's like this whole like kind of like wishful fantasy of like oh like all of this happened but we're reunited once again and i'm kind of like no but like that's like again like i would i need to maybe do some research to kind of see if spielberg's talked about this because i'm kind of like that's a little bit of bullshit. One that kid would have been dead. Like yeah. he rushed into a into a conflict that was going on right there. Like I don't see, I don't see what would have happened there to like like he died. Um, and then who knows if who knows if like the wife and all of them who knows if because like you like get to their street in Boston and like it it it's it's you know there's blown up parts but it seems like pretty fairly intact and you're like no like everything you've seen from anywhere else in this movie is just these you know they've been lasering all this stuff and there's just buildings and houses and everything is just it kind of exploded um and so um yeah like i just don't i just don't totally believe or buy that like like he he got through all this and then he found his his ex-wife and her husband and like reunites with the kids and like it's this whole i'm like no like that's also they scared the aliens out of boston yeah i was like i bet it's that like and so uh yeah i don't know i i I, the, the the ending kind of undercuts it but again if it's like kind of like if there was a scene before where it seemed like oh like like alien or somebody like something happened to tom cruise or his daughter and it, it but it was very ambiguous and then it went to that scene then i would have been like yeah like this is a this is a fantasy scene like this is just kind of but it's just the way that it transitions from the scene before to that one it's it seems like it's not a fantasy scene and i'm like if this is not a fantasy scene that's kind of a weird that's a weird one so um overall super positive and really liked war of the worlds a lot i think it's it's a it's not it's definitely not one of spielberg's best but like as a director reckoning with 9-11 four years later it's pretty interesting so um yeah it's on hbo max if you get if you want to watch it um but grace i've talked for 30 minutes so i'm going to give it to you sure i like listening you got a lot of thank you yeah um well i coincidentally um have been watching a lot of james bond i've been getting into some very heavy bondage lately um kicking it off with um before i even knew you guys were doing the series before i even knew that um before i even realized um that michelle Yeoh was in the movie that we're going to talk about in the second half Mm -hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies. Before I even realized that that was her, like I was watching like a ton of James Bond. Um, I started with um, The Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton. Mm-hmm. So the Bond just before Pierce Brosnan. Uh, and then I watched Goldeneye, actually, before I watched this um, mm-hmm. as like fun little pacing. Yeah. Um, so 
what's to say about Goldeneye? Um, we're introduced to um, handsome, suave, sophisticated Pierce Brosnan. I would say that he is most certainly my Bond, the Bond that I grew up watching. Um, I think he's the most talented, the the epitome of gentleman spy. Um, and we um, are introduced to him through a um, sort of a more of a car race between him and um, Femke Jensen, who plays the mm-hmm. villainess, uh, na- not Natasha, I'm something on a top. <laughs> Like for the for the for the name pun for the name puns, I forget her character's like first name, but it's um, Xenia uh, Xenia Onatop. Yeah, yeah, Onatop. Is she is she like a she? She, she is a she is a uh, Georgian uh, uh, well, uh, all right, assassin. Um, and her Soviet. thing. Yeah, her thing is uh, Soviet. Yeah, her thing is that um, she sort of she sort of she does she gets off on um, on like beating people up or like there's a there's an S and M aspect to it, but um, she loves and like experiences this real thrill um, in killing in violence of any sort. Um, So that's kind of sexy. That's kind of cool. on the top, on the top, very dominant. Um, but, um, this is a whole Russians. This is, this is Russian spies. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've seen bond do Russian spies before, um, nothing new. Um, but this is about the golden eye, uh, satellite laser. Yeah. Um, so it gets, it gets high tech. Um, it's always fun watching like, the Bond movies through the year and like watching the tech and then like also seeing like who's our enemy again and again and again. And it's yeah. Usually, yeah. I was thinking about that while watching this one. Cause this one also like gets into like more new tech than, mm-hmm. you know, like there's still like, but there's still like the kind of trademarks of like Bond where there's like, there's like a missile and a sub, like, and the, the, the yes. one we're going to talk about, there's always, there's a missile and a sub and shit like that. But at the same time, like it's, it feels like it's engaging with more like, um, like you're mentioning in Goldeneye, like, you know, you have this Georgian assassin spy or whatever who you know like it's kind of playing with like soviet the soviet union cold war aspect of of things and this one you have like the the real you know the the you know you have china you know kind of up against uh britain and in the u.s to a degree um but yeah it is kind of i was thinking about that also watching tomorrow never dies but i'm sure like especially with Goldeneye, it was kind of a a revival to a degree of Bond um, after you know after Timothy Dalton and those, those movies. So I feel like they also had to do some new stuff. Yeah, um, and and then you know you think how they do something new, and it's um, a lot to do with computers. There's mm-hmm. hackers um, mm-hmm. to sort of like bring us into like what we'll be seeing the rest with like what we'll be seeing more and more in Bond movies is, is computers. So get used to this this hacker talk passwords encryption mm-hmm. 
firewalls, you know, the, you know, in English, in English, uh, you yeah. know, that sort of speak. So we get used to it, but, uh, not in Russian, not in Russian. Um, Alan Cumming is in this and he is oh. Alan Cummings. He's, uh, the, he's the big hacker in it and his tagline, I am invincible. And then he like poses and muscles because he's the biggest brain and he knows how to code mm-hmm. better than everyone else. Um, it's also very funny. Um, and then they, it, Bond movies are, are hilarious. Like they're a lot of fun. I there there's always a good joke, a good one liner. Um, And I there's a scene where um, we get a familiar face from like the cast of Bond characters. I for I wish I I should have written these things down, but um, we get um, the revival of uh, of of an actor who I will look up, but he was in um, The Living Daylights. He was the bad guy in The Living Daylights. And now he's a new, he's got a new name, new character. He's a CIA agent, um, a friend of James in um, GoldenEye. And he's, I don't, actually, I don't think he's back in um, Tomorrow Never Dies, but Mm -hmm. he's, I forget. I could look, but. Trying to look him up for you. Is it, the Jack Wade. Yeah, it's Joe. It's Joe. It's Joe Don Baker. He yeah. was in The Living Daylights, and then he's back again, whole new character. Um, as the, you know, kind of when put up against um, Pierce Brosnan's James, he looks like kind of a slob. Um, yeah, he's so the like guy. American spies are kind of. Uh, yeah, he was the he's... one. Um, he was in this one. He's in in the movie in the Tomorrow Never Dies. James like goes to get to with the to see the Americans. They'll like do the encryption oh, yeah. thing, and then they yes, and he drops yes. them off the ship. Yeah, that's that guy. Yes. Yeah, he's he is back. Yeah. So, um, but when you put the American spy up next to the British spy which one's hotter, which one's more appealing, which one seems to get the job done. Yeah. It's James, but then like, uh, Oh, and this one, he like flexes in because he uh, just seen from Wikipedia, he's from Texas. And so he like, just has, is like this like cowboy, like, Whoa, doggy, what's up Jimbo. Yeah. He, he always calls him Jimbo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he's got the, he's got the connections like, mm-hmm. you know, and whereas like the other is like the, cold calculated gun this is the you know yeah again playing with like that that you know american britain versus soviet union cold war kind of thing going on oh yeah but it's great and i and i really enjoy i really enjoy the theme song for golden eye and i i love all of the bond theme songs we can talk more about that in part two but um it's a great one as a introduction to Pierce Brosnan it's a very nice it's very nice to meet him mm-hmm. uh, and then with Tomorrow Never Dies hey it's good to see you again this is great so it's the let's do this again sometime and then we meet up again so and then die another day and we're like oh, we've, had and our, we've had our fun you should yeah. go and do like Mamma Mia where you're fun in that movie oh my gosh yes <laughs> 
um well cool well let's get let's we'll, we'll get to uh tomorrow never dies uh after this this short break this commercial break <laughs> of episode 443 of Cinematary. In this part, we're going to be continuing our Michelle Yeoh series with 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies, which is uh, her big um, entrance into uh, Western audiences who were not familiar with her Hong Kong work. Um, Directed by Roger Spottiswood and written by Bruce Firestein. Uh, the film stars Pierce Brosnan, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Jonathan Price, Terry Hatcher, and Judy Dench. Media mogul Elliot Carver wants his news empire to reach every country on the globe, but the Chinese government will not allow him to broadcast there. Carver doesn't take no for an answer and plans to use his media empire to fuel flames of war between the Western world and China. Thankfully, James Bond is in onto the... is is onto the uh, insane news tycoon who travels to China to stop him, well, technically Vietnam, uh, to stop him with the help of Chinese secret agent Wei Lin. Uh, Bond 18 was greenlit after the positive public reception to the teaser trailer for GoldenEye in May 1995. Following GoldenEye's success in reviving the Bond series, there was pressure to recreate that success in the next production. This pressure, this pressure came from MGM, which, along with its new owner, billionaire Kirk Kirkorian, uh, wanted the film's release to coincide with their public stock offering, which sounds like something the guy, the villain in this movie would do. Um, co-producer Michael G. Wilson commented, you realize that, that there is a huge audience, and I guess you don't want to come out with a film that's going to somehow disappoint them. Well, Michael, you've done that. A couple times. Um, initial writers for the film included... Uh, oh, so, so, excuse me. It was the first Bond film made after the death of Albert Broccoli, who was heavily involved in the series production since its inception. Um, and the uh, the rush to complete the film drove the budget to $110 million. Um, initial writers on the m- movie included John Cork, wrote Richard Smith, and novelist Donald E. Westlake. In 1995, Westlake wrote two story treatments in collaboration with Wilson, both of which featured a villain who planned to destroy Hong Kong with explosives on the eve of the city's July 1997 transfer of sovereignty to China. Westlake used some of his ideas for a novel he completed the next year, though it was not published until 2017 under the title Forever and a Death. 
Director Spottiswood said that in January 1997, MGM had a script also focused on the on the Hong Kong handover. Uh, however, it could not be used for a film opening at the end of the year, so they had to start quote almost from scratch at T minus zero. Bruce Firestein, who worked on Goldeneye, wrote the initial script. He claimed that his inspiration was his own experience working with journalism and viewing both Sky News and CNN's 24-hour news coverage of the Gulf War, stating that he aimed to, quote, write something that was grounded in a nightmare of reality. The role of Elliot Carver, which went to uh, Jonathan Price, was initially offered to Anthony Hopkins, who was also offered a role in GoldenEye, but he declined declined in favor of The Mask of Zorro, which made me think, I was like, Jonathan Price is, is solid in this role, but Anthony yeah. Hopkins but would have been really good. Um while many reviewers compared Elliot Carver to Rupert, uh, Rupert Murdoch, who that's I was thinking of while watching this movie, Firestein based the character on Robert Maxwell, with Carver's reported death bearing similarities to that of Maxwell's. That is, quote, missing, presumed drowned while on a cruise aboard his luxury yacht, as stated by M at the end of the film. The title was inspired by the Beatles song Tomorrow Never Knows. The eventual title came about by accident, though. One of the potential titles was Tomorrow Never Lies, referring to the Tomorrow newspaper and the plot. And this was faxed to MGM. However, due to a typing error, it became Tomorrow Never Dies, a title MGM found so attractive that they insisted on using it. The title was the first not to have any relation to Ian Fleming's life or work. Uh, Yo, talking about her role in the movie in an interview with The Independent last year, said, uh, Looking like me, I don't think sexualization was going to be a big problem in the James Bond movie. Bond was ready for change. Bond had to evolve because the fan base was also evolving. Women were choosing the movies to go and watch, and we don't always want to watch ones where we're being sexualized. Um The New York Times in 1997 said this latest film is such a generic action event that it could be any old summer blockbuster, except that its hero is chronically overdressed. The Washington Post said Tomorrow Never Dies isn't one of the great Bonds by any means, but it's familiar, flashy, and enjoyable in all the right places. And Roger Ebert said, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies gets the job done, sometimes excitingly, often with style. The villain, slightly more contemporary and plausible than usual, brings some subtler than usual satire into the film. And I like the chemistry between Bond and Wei Lin, all the more convincing because the plot doesn't force it. On that note, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, yeah, let's start, let's start by talking a little bit about um, Pierce Brosnan and, and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, in their chemistry because at first I was getting worried. This reminded me of um, we talked in the first episode about a couple of her earliest movies um, specifically like super cop uh, or police story three and super and then super cop two, which she's stars in. And um, I know with uh, Andrew describing super cop two, it's like, you know, she's the titular super cop in that movie, but like is not in it all that much. And and then you had yes, madam, which was one of her very first movies um, that she's in and good in, but also not, you know, it doesn't appear very much in the movie. And so I was getting worried because you, you get, you see her like twice early on in the movie, like in the first half, but you really don't get Michelle Yo time until really like the second and third act start to kick off that for that whole first, like 45 minutes is very, you know, she's, she's really, she appears like twice for very short periods of time. Um, but what, what did you make of the, the Pierce Brosnan, Michelle Yo pairing? Um, I 
was also a little worried that um, <clears throat> they would focus more on him and less mm-hmm. on her, her talents and abilities. And I still kind of feel like they did a little, but um, they gave her um, some interesting, I guess you could call him bits, but um, Pierce Brosnan is I mean, he just attracts. He is a magnet. He he has chemistry with whatever woman he lays his eyes on, um, all, with all of them, with every woman that he encounters that we see. And um, it's just very easy and very effortless. Um, but he also doesn't, like... I didn't feel like he outright sexualizes her, like, from the get-go, like, from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um Carver does from the very beginning. Yeah. So he's the one that like identifies her as like a sexual being, an object of desire. Um, but you're like, he's the bad guy. So yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's what you're supposed to do. Like you're yeah. scum. Um, you're, where's your wife? Like, you know, but um, <laughs> she's in the movie for 15 minutes and then dies. So. Yeah. And they set her up to be the Bond girl. So then it was a yeah. nice little, like, Mr. Like, nope, zoom, zoom in this way. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they are both well-matched as um, agents, as spies. And they, I do think that they see that. Like, yeah. they recognize that, like, eat, like that the other is good at what they do. And I honestly think that they clocked each other, like, from the very beginning. Because when she went up went up to him and asked him like, so, you know, what type of banking banking are you in? Like, I think that maybe she could kind of tell that Mm. he was a spy and because the same way that he could tell that maybe she was too. Yeah. Um, I also like that they gave her, um, that, you know, Michelle Yeoh is just like this insanely talented, um, physical action star, like yes. from the movies that we've watched so far in the series, um, especially like something like Wing Chun that we watched, um, for the, for the last episode, like she can hold her own in just an action sequence. And so I was a little, like, it was, I, I, I'll give it credit because they, it does give you one, that one scene where like she goes back to what seems like kind of like her home base and she gets jumped by those, um, the, the Chinese agents that were sent by the general to kind of like get rid of her. Um, yes. and they, and, and Pierce Brosnan shows up, but the majority of that set piece is like to just kind of show off Michelle Yeoh kicking, kicking the shit out of a bunch of people, which is like her specialty. Yeah. Um, and so I was glad they at least gave her that moment because I'm like looking at a lot of the one, you know, you have it's so different with how especially watching these last few movies, it's it's so different how Western filmmakers shoot action compared to Hong Kong filmmakers, especially. Um, Would you say like not good? Like, not well, like yeah, they don't just, really know what the where to put the camera like. Yeah. And, and especially with like movies like this, like it's just like there's such it's so over edited. And so like it doesn't you know, you watch something like like I watched for the to start the series Police Story 3, which is her and Jackie Chan. Um, and like the the way that they just like the camera just kind of sits there and lets the actors develop the sequence and in the action from there. It's it's just so. And so you have a little bit of that. Um, I think they do a decent like they I still though say they do a decent amount of job of like letting her do her thing because that's the thing you know like love pierce brosnan but she's the better she's the better fighter whether it's the whether with the character or even just in real like just she 
like she was she's been working with Jackie Chan for 15 years at that yeah. point like she like I mean so she knows and she's led her own action movies in Hong Kong like she knows what to do um and so I was happy about that you know then it it, it kind of sticks her later on with like guns and stuff and you're like I don't right. know like, it felt like it felt like she was kind of like they were kind of pulling her back like holding well, her limits back. her because that's not what yeah. she's like good at yeah right like they're they're you know she has to be rescued by James, you know, at least in his mind, you know, good thing mm-hmm. I showed up. Good thing I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but they, they show us that like, here is an agent. Here's someone that can like hold your own. But then it does suck that they like, she definitely, I feel like she definitely could have let loose like on the sub, like they could have done yeah. with like hand to hand there, but instead of like really letting her go, like winding her up and letting her go while James is, dealing with carver himself and stamp and stamper they put her with two guns and yeah and that's, and that's she just, has to figure out what to do with that and that's so boring because like you know we the last episode we uh we watched was wing chun and like there's this incredible action sequence where these guys show up at because she runs this tofu shop and they show up at the tofu shop and they're so mad because she keeps beating up all these bandits and they're just like and the guy literally is like i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and then you're gonna get you're gonna be so beat up that you're gonna become like a housewife and go and have babies and she's like all right dude um and then like they have this incredible scene where she's like flipping the tofu and like fighting guys and like kicks all their asses while still like you know and it's like this creative set piece where like she's like has this thing in her hand that she has to keep you know steady but then is still able to like beat the you know beat the shit out of all these guys um and again that's that's the difference you get from like western action movies to hong kong action movies like some interesting gunplay that's what i thought too because there's the one moment where she like runs out of bullets and she's kind of like and so i was like hoping she would start but yeah i think it's more just like with those types of movies like you just don't have enough time to like let something like let a set piece like you need a good couple couple minutes to like let that play out and like they're not going to do that in like a james bond movie like Mm -hmm. the clock is ticking you can hear it and it takes you know like a good five minutes to count down from you know 30 seconds to zero right yeah and so it's just so like i give them credit because they didn't completely like sideshow her um like you, you still get like yeah, like I said, you get that one scene in when she's like at her home base, and then you get another scene. Um, just any of the fight scene, like she's kicking in, in like like there's that one scene like late that I sent to somebody because it's like she, uh, Carver like has her and he says something, she's like kicks at him. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, ha, yeah. Ha, and you're just like Jesus Christ. That's so racist. Like man, again, at least he's the villain. At least he's the villain. Yeah, you said. Um, but uh yeah so i was i was i was happy because she at least got even even the sequence when they're on the motorcycle and they're like handcuffed together like there's some physicality there like it's great that's um, but uh but yeah it's just uh it's kind of a it's more of a bummer just that you know i think she's just inhibited by it's just more like western filmmaking action filmmaking compared to hong kong uh, action filmmaking yeah they like hint at it like when when they show us that she is a spy, like she busts in in that leather cat suit and heels, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Take a minute. Yeah. Leather cat yeah. suit and heels. Yeah, absolutely. They really don't give her a lot of time in that where we can just really like, really like get either. a good look. Um, Cause I saw her initially. I was like, hello. 
<laughs> yeah. But it's like, and you got, and they put her in these spindly little heels and mm-hmm. like they're holding her back. Like her costumes holding her back too. You know, like I'm sure she could do plenty of, you know, she could do some real damage on that. Yeah. I love her. Out- I love her outfit when like when they're handcuffed together and they're like on the motorcycle. Cause it's still like sexy, but it's mo- much more like you can fight in this. Yeah. You can fight. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough girl. Um, it's mm-hmm. awesome but like they hint a little bit at that when she like walks like she you know grappling hook or whatever from her trendy mm-hmm. little belt totally spies and you know walks down that steel girder that sort of hints like oh hey this is that's interesting like you know we don't really see that from the female characters mm-hmm. like but um i bet she could have done that without the wire yeah no oh, yeah she like... yeah you can she could have jumped but anyways, um, back to the real question was the romantic pairing. Um, it works so well. And I especially want to talk about the motorcycle sequence mm-hmm. um, because that is such a physical moment between um, James and uh, Waylon. Um, it's that's them having sex. Like, wouldn't she say like, yeah, like the way they're facing the like up and down the like physicality of it, then fighting for dominance. Like that is the sexiest scene. Well, cause it's also the movie. It's also something that you don't like James Bond. Like whenever he gets like on a motorcycle, it's very like, he's like doing the hard turns and like escaping people and maybe like shooting or like punching somebody. But like what she's doing, like just the, the, the physicality of like how she's able to swing her legs around and, and contort her body around like yeah. on top of it. Yeah. No, it's like, it's just like, yeah, they're like, they're like getting away from these guys, but they're also fucking. Um, yeah. Very much. <laughs> So it's and like well, that's, then it that's, culminates that's, in like then it culminates in them like taking the shower together and I'm like oh my god yeah like that's very hot so it's like again like just them like fighting together like on the yeah. same team like that's sexy like the chemistry is right there so it's like it's a fantastic pairing and she's a mm-hmm. fabulous Bond girl Terry Hatcher like no offense girl I love you in Desperate Housewives but like what were you doing in this like I think she said this I was reading quotes from her and she was saying the same thing <laughs> like you know she's she's yeah. barely in it like there's they're they're you know romantic it's, come together it, it, is it's a very like bad. forced yeah it's a very yeah. forced like oh they used to be lovers and you're like I mean okay yeah and then <laughs> like when um when James like comes to her dead body like I mean I love Pierce and I get what he's doing but he kind of like hams it up like just like I get it. You're really sad over this. Like the like caress, the gentle kiss. Like it definitely, like there definitely was a, a softness that he was trying to evoke. Um, but he kind of hams it up and it's like, you have real chemistry with Michelle. Let's go back to that. Well, and and you also, in in that scene, get the whole funny, like that whole, the Dr. Kaufman, like, Oh my God. just a hilarious i was just like like what like what an absurd weird character to like add in this who then has like ramifications along the way because like that guy like it was like that was his mentor and so he's like i'm gonna kill james bond because yeah and i'm like you're like what the hell what's going on like this dude it looks like a dude who like works at an accounting firm who like showed up was like i'm gonna kill james bond today (laughs) he has like the funniest 
I like he's just like funny to listen. It's like this to. funny like Austrian accent. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> just a, it's a weird. But um, but no, going back to the 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 motorcycle sequence. Um, yeah, because that, that I mean that at least allows like Michelle Yeoh. To, you know, like she has it, it's kind of like that that setup she would get in the Hong Kong movie. Like you know we, we talked a little bit about it with with uh, Police Story three, but like Jackie Chan movies, it's always like there's one thing that's like inhibiting him from being like a hundred percent there to fight like you know he has to like hold something or he has to like keep something from falling you know like there's always something going on and he's having to like fight around it and so like i love that they do set up that sequence where it's she's handcuffed to him while he while he's driving and yeah and he's pretty yeah and and so and and so it's kind of funny because initially it sets it up as like i need you to like you know i gotta focus on driving but then it becomes her like moving around and it becomes this very physical action sequence which is also again yeah like yeah like showing like there's there's just like this sexiness to it again that culminates in like the two of them just having like this like rain you know raindrop shower thing um that you're just like yeah like fuck <laughs> yeah that's hot like the bond, mov- bond movies are great everything is is sexy and like not just for guys but for girls too like they know what is hot and what is like sensual sexy and like yeah and they are good at putting that up on the screen but like but especially like up to that point most of the sex scenes it's like you know it's roger moore or sean connery kind of in like and you know it's like them kissing and like falling into a bed yeah and, you know like it's like it's not it's but like that one that one's great because it doesn't need to be like it's just like this super sexually charged scene you know that has it's like at no point are they like like making out or having sex with each other it's just like this like like it's just like this sex through action thing that's amazing really like that sequence we like sex in movies like no do not do not misunderstand us we prefer none of this like cut to black nonsense like no we well and especially like in this way like where it's like i'm just gonna put that out there yeah, um, yeah, like, but like, especially in like this way where it's still forward. It's it like if you're like, well, you know, if you're one of those people who goes, oh, I don't like sex in movies because it doesn't forward the plot. Like this moves the plot along. This, yeah, and it's, 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 it is literally an action sequence, but it's also them having sex. And then also like James having sex with um paris carver that also yeah. advances the plot it gets this sort of vendetta going it kills her it i mean it's all very important so shut up well and i like yeah. just I watch. Mean, and honestly i like i don't i guess i don't so I don't, I don't necessarily agree with your assessment that like like they're a romantic pairing i mean it kind of gets there at the end and i honestly don't totally but like i like to me like honestly it was when they kiss at the end i kind of was let down because it reminded me a lot of um i thought we were gonna have, to have this discussion again with michelle yo movies where she's dropped in as like the either the lead character or like the like the second lead character and but there's in there like especially like you know in police story three like jackie chan is in love with her because she's super hot and kicks a bunch of ass but like there's no never any like romantic consummation there the same with like wing chun it like 
gets kind of consummated at the end, but it feels very forced. The majority of the movie is just her kind of doing her thing. And so I like that this movie somewhat picks that up to a degree and is like, yeah, like you have this very sexually charged scene. You have, you kind of have like a little bit of a chemistry there, but I feel like for the most of their, whenever they're to they're matched up together in the movie, it's much more just like, it's more just like two sexy people, but it's not like necessarily, it doesn't feel like it's ever careening towards some sort of, you know, even just some sort of relationship in a Bond movie since. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. I think the way that he, I think the way that he rescues her and where he like, like oh yeah end, at like, the very I, end it sets up for that i, I agree yeah. but like but like their initial like pairing together it feels more just like um like it doesn't feel like they're setting her up to be like ter- again like you mentioned it like terry hatcher is kind of set up as like the bond go- girl and then you have a switch you know yeah. kind of switch on it um but this i don't i don't necessarily feel like they're like pushing them together like like in some you know in some other movies i sorry i misunderstood you yes Mm -hmm. Um, yes i do agree because the bond girl is always super fumbly bumbly needs james to save her and Mm -hmm. there is none of that here i I mean like in james mind yeah yeah here but no she and she even says she's like i had it under control like you know kind of like they're they're easy going with each other but she's like yeah i definitely have that under control and so and she, and she even like completes the stuff you know again it's not like she like is supposed to go do this and it doesn't work and so then she yeah like, messes it up yeah yeah she's con- she's very competent like you know like you think of like the last set piece where he's going to go deal with um the missile and she's going to go deal with the engine room and like she does complete that <laughs> She ends up like kind of getting yeah, captured. Yeah, she knows getting which, exactly where to go. Yeah, and so I, I think that like she's a much more interesting character than, um, especially some of them like because like even like Halle Berry, um, in like the last Pierce Brosnan movie or you know things like 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 they're not they're like they're they're pushed more together as like the the rom- you know the ra- romantic co-lead with James Bond rather than like I think Michelle Yeoh's character is very like independent of her own so that's why I was kind of bummed at the end when they're like making out I'm just like oh well because it's not you right literally, like that should be me literally that too that too that yeah. too I'm, I'm but no but... like it, like literally it, like, like the end of P- Police Story three they like do the whole thing and Jackie Chan's kind of like looking at her and she's like all right fuck you see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's the end of the movie. I'm like, they should have just done that. She just should be like, yeah, whatever. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Like he goes in for the kiss and she's like, whoa, we work together. This is office harassment. Like I like, I'm going to call HR. Yeah. Like I don't feel comfortable about this. I need to talk to M immediately. Like, that would be more yeah. interesting. But it's but but it's James Bond and he always gets the girl. Yeah, he's no, the I get last that. girl standing, so it's gotta be her. <laughs> You're the last one in the room. You're the so. last girl here. Um we killed all those dudes on the boat, so it's it's me, it's me or a dolphin. Yeah, at least it just is like a kiss and it's not like, you know, then cut to some scene with them like in some random villa, you know, getting it yeah. on. I'm like again, like you get you got your sex scene between the two of them um earlier on um what did you what did you make of the of kind of like we were talking um in the first part about goldeneye and like how like bonds becoming more uh they're trying to kind of modernize it just in terms of of you know current uh the current politics and things like that um what did you make of the whole 
villain plot and like this kind of media mogul character like operating these these like fake conflicts to like start real conflict you know start this like world war three between the western powers and in china um i well first my thought went to um a narcissistic media megalomaniac trying to control um what people look at and read and i was like oh cool elon musk yeah um it's very, it's, it's a little Elon Musk. Like if he yeah. just had, if he had like a giant car, like a giant Tesla car or a Tesla sub, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. It was, it was very that. Um, yeah. that's, that's what I thought. I was like, Oh yeah. Like this isn't that far off. Um, it, like in, in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and then like all these other like right wing media outlets that spin news this way. And then the more liberal stuff that's been it that way. Like, um, I think tomorrow is a brilliant name for a newspaper. I always yeah. really liked that. Um, but I always hated the way that Elliot would type on his computer. I hated that. Um, I, I didn't understand why he had like a giant screen where he was like typing headlines. I was like, I was like, first off, the 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 media mogul, the the you know the Jeff Bezos Jeff Bezos isn't writing the headlines for the Washington. He's firing Post. off tweets, is what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you just see like Elon in his like headquarters and he's got a little tablet like that and he just. Well, Elon would do that, but you're just like, like yeah. you're you're just like is like is like Jeff Bezos calling down like this is what the headline should be of the Washington Post today. I'm like I'm like I don't that's I'm, I, I was like as the media person like that's a little much, but also <laughs> I would like a giant computer where I could make headlines. That sounds That'd fun. Be great. Just play around headline um, generator. Yeah, I think it's it's just kind of funny because I think it's you know it's still like relatively pre-internet, but it mm-hmm. feels very like like a, like you're saying like it feels very prescient for stuff today. Definitely. Not you know, and like it shows that like Elon Musk isn't that like he's just the long string of other megalomaniac media of mogul people, newspaper newsmen. Um, yeah, just like, a, a, a people of people like controlling media. Like, yeah, you're just like, yeah, it's, there's a long line of them. Um, the pictures, I'll give you the war. Like, you know, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Anytime, you know, we can manipulate images and headlines and whatnot. Um, yeah. There was a, there were a couple of lines um, in the movie that also felt like super. Um, <laughs> super you know future seeking or future vision where they were like um they're talking about they're developing um new products and it's like guaranteed to break down so you'll have to replace it yeah yeah yeah. apple like it like you guys are like it was so good like i was laughing there's like um he you know q's giving him all the different um gadgets and like you had the one where like he can he can like start the car and then like drive it around and I'm like yeah mm-hmm. we can pretty much do that now like yeah. I can I can start my Honda CRV like through my uh through my keypad fob thing and then um you know if you have like a Tesla or something like you can drive it's self driving so I'm like yeah, yeah it's just like we all own James Bond uh spy equipment now <laughs> Q equipment yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so that's it was great like they definitely set this up to be more um tech tech savvy and um more spy gadgets i like spy gadgets like yeah those like that's always cool give me some 
A phone with a taser, like that rocks. This cue is also kind of entertaining because, like, you know, the most recent version is the Ben Wishaw, who's 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 kind of fun. But like this one, I like was just like annoyed with Bond the entire time. Yeah, it was also it was also just like stop making sexual puns. (laughs) <laughs> that like enough like i will call hr again like i bet james bond is just like a fucking nuisance in the workplace like this guy again he's gonna harass me about my body and like ask me out later and i'm gonna say yes but it's the principle <laughs> but he shouldn't of the have thing. done that he shouldn't have done that in the workplace i'll see you at eight <laughs> i'll see you there pick me up but no uh, it um i like bond and q they set up this fun little like sideshow between the two of them of just like gags back and forth. Like it, it's, it's cute. They work super well together. You also didn't, you know, I think they give them more prominent, or at least like in the Daniel Craig bond movies, they give them much more prominent roles. Like, yeah, I feel like you get to know Q and money penny and, uh, M like much more pronounced in like these movies that, cause like, you know, Judy, this is Judy Dench's first bond movie as m she's not given you know not not a ton to do you 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 kind of she she fits in the role because you're used to you know seeing her now but like then you're just kind of oh she's not given too much to do it's a girl what and they never let her forget it it's always you don't this line like where the private pm is like uh you don't have the balls for this job and she's like maybe but at least i don't have to think with them M stands for mother, girl power. Like she definitely gives, she gives tough, she gives tough bitch. Like she's great. Yeah. Um, well, very intimidating. Unfortunately, but, unfortunately, Ray Fiennes is now the playing M, but still <laughs> tough. Energy. Yeah, tough act to follow. Yeah, but no, she's what uh, we see of her. She's tough, and we like her. I yeah. like her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think overall, overall, like relatively, like I, I kind of agree with. Um, I forgot one. I think it was like Washington Post. Like this is like very like run of the mill. It's not like it's not necessarily a, an, an an incredibly memorable Bond movie. Like over the scope of the whole um, series of movies, but I think I mean it was fine. I I enjoyed myself to uh, and, and like I said, like I was happy after watching kind of doing this series to see that Michelle Yeoh wasn't just. Um, like used as a pawn to kind of do something with the James, you know, it was like, they at least gave her some, like they gave her stuff to do. Could she have done more and like actually been the star of the movie? Of course. But you know, her own spinoff series, but could you imagine her like trying to teach James like some fucking Kung Fu and like, could you, you know, like teaching him how to like focus his breathing or like break a board in half or some shit. And like, that's literally in the in the Mandarin version of uh, Police Story Three. There's like this long scene where she's like teaching because Jackie Chan is coming from. Um, is he? I forgot who it was. What? But one of them's coming from Hong Kong, and I think she's teaching him like mainland China stuff. And like that's the whole thing is just like him being a doofus and her trying to like teach him all these different things, and her just being like, "God damn, you're annoying." <laughs> <laughs> then maybe we could have gotten that and then maybe yeah. that could have put us closer to more of a romantic lead but i mean i kind of wouldn't mind watching him like learn how to like do a spinning split kick or something and yeah um be fun 
the most important the most important uh, question though for this episode is out of all the James Bonds who do you think is like the one who's actually the, like what's the ranking of the ones who are actually good at having sex because all, all all the Bonds are like having are hooking up with women but like I was watching Pierce Brosnan in this one and I was like like I feel like Pierce fucks like he he knows what he's doing he yes he does Money Penny even calls him a cunning linguist. So yeah, she's like, she's like, you always were because he's busy studying abroad, or one or two, or three or four. My 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 my, my before before you give your pick, my, I think Pierce and Daniel Craig are the ones I most believe. Yeah, you know, know what they're doing. Yes, I'll be honest. Maybe this is a controversial pick. I think the least likely is is Sean Connery. Interesting, because I, oh, why? I feel like, and it's part of like his version of Bond, but he's just like, he's like the most of like, just kind of belittling and sexist to the women that I feel like he's going in there. It's all about like his machismo. Like I feel like Pierce and, and and Daniel Craig, like they're they're reading the woman and like meeting them, you know, halfway. I feel like he's just going in and just like, I'm gonna fuck you, and then like that's it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I guess I see that. <laughs> I would say Daniel Craig, uh, Daniel Craig, above um, Pierce because um, in I think it was Quantum of Solace or Skyfall, where which one has Javier Bardem? Javier Bardem, um, yeah, the Skyfall. Yeah. Skyfall. Um, he makes advances on James, and he's like, "Yeah, that'd be cool. It wouldn't be my first time." And it's like, "Okay, so that rocks." Like a very progressive, but like a very progressive James. Like, dude so, knows what he's doing. So I think, and then also, of course, the scene in Casino Royale with Mads Mikkelsen, where he's got that, where he's got his fun little chair situation yeah. yeah that there was something there too so i'd say i don't know that's say craig then brosnan that's what i'm just saying yeah. that's I, I feel we're so we're in agreement so it sounds like we might uh, we might agree on this yeah okay I, very cool. for me it's it's they're pretty but like yeah like pierce the whole time like dude's just exuding like they're like yeah that's why terry hatcher is just like you know, my husband's here, but also James Bond just showed up and it's Pierce. Oh, Pierce. this guy? She's like, she's like, I yeah. I don't know him. Take the let ring me, off. Let me, let me, let me just, t- yeah, let me take the ring off and then take my dress but off. She's trying, and be like, she can't, like, get it. It's stuck. That would be a fun little, like, bit. Give her after something to do. She's so flat in this. Yeah, she's kind of, I don't know. Because she was pregnant. Yeah, it's just kind of a very, like, it's a bummer. I thought I thought that see, I thought that it was gonna be more like she was the Bond girl, but then you're also gonna have Michelle Yeoh and like it's gonna be Michelle Yeoh and Bond like kicking ass and then the Bond girl kind of be like, James. And she's like not now. Yeah. I'm hanging out with Michelle Yeoh. I'm hanging out with my friend. Yeah. No, they're more buds, but yeah. Yeah. But you know, they you know, they they just they just save the world so that you know. And they then may hook up once. People alive, so it yeah, there's yeah, and they're hot. So there's like, listen, we're hot. We just saved the world. Like, let's hook up one time, and then we'll still be friends. Call it a day. 
I'll see you. I'll see you Here in the go. office Monday. I might see be you Monday. Late. I we'll might be a little late after this, but uh, yeah. Um, any any final thoughts from you on tomorrow never dies? Um, no, but thank God you guys have finally done a James Bond movie. Uh, I don't know when if we'll. I don't. We'll, we'll have to see if we ever do another one. <laughs> I hope I don't you do because I always have plenty to say, but um. This was a very fun, nostalgic rewatch for me. And I, little Grace, had no idea who Michelle Yeoh was. And then Mm -hmm. now as an adult, it's nice to go back and be like, oh, my God, that's you? I had no idea how much I loved you. Like, Mm -hmm. so it was a a treat. So thank you for the series. And thank you, Michelle. You really outdid yourself, gal. Yeah um do you still have the leather suit and kitten heels i wonder um i mean like she's she's been super hot throughout still hot today yeah yeah still super hot today um all right. Well, I will wrap up this episode of Cinematary. Um, you can find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash cinematary on uh, Twitter and Instagram at handle at cinematary and on letterbox at letterbox.com slash cinematary where we list all the movies that we talked about in this episode. Um, if you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash cinematary. We're always happy to uh, have those who uh, are fans of the podcast supporting us in, in what we're doing. Uh, next week, we're going to be closing out our Michelle or not next week in two weeks we're going to be uh, closing out our michelle yo series with uh with the one that i the movie that i think most people are i think this was the one that kind of got her on the radar with western audiences but this is the one that de- definitely people knew her for until probably really recently and that's uh crouching tiger hidden dragon so uh we're gonna get a little whoosh action um which is not you get you get you get a big, you know, Michelle Yeoh, but then you also get Chow, uh, Chow Young Fat kind of getting on the scene. Ang Lee, Ang Lee, you know, we got a bunch of Ang Lee nowadays. So, um, yeah, should be a should be a good one. And then we'll announce what our, our next series is after that. So until then, thank you all for listening. <laughs> gonna be James Bond. It's gonna be James Bond. Grace, <laughs> gear up. Grace is gonna be on every episode. Everybody, you guys are gonna be. We're gonna sick watch of me. all. We're going to watch all 40 years or, you know, 40, was it 40, 50 years or whatever of bonds. So worth it. Um, Until next week. Thanks y'all for listening. We'll see you.